Whole House Podcast, we are back this week with a double threat in the music industry. Producer and singer, Johan Lennox. He's a Massachusetts guy, living out in LA these days. And his production credits include artists like Travis Scott, Selena Gomez, Kanye West, just to name a few. So, huge discography, and his vocal stuff as well is just so, so awesome. He just dropped a single with... uh, Cousin Stiz, and so just a really versatile guy uh, on both ends of the spectrum, and a lot of his influence actually comes from the fact that he's classically trained, which is really cool. He's been drawing a lot of comparisons to James Blake, the way he's bringing his classical edge over to hip-hop and modern music, and he's looking to reshape the genre, um, and we just had a really awesome conversation with him, so without further ado, Johan Lennox, Hall House. Sweet, well first of all... Thank you so much just for doing this. I uh, really appreciate it, especially on the fly. We're huge fans of you know stuff you've done production-wise. You're at vocal music as well. So just appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> where are you guys right now? Where, where is this actual house at? Yeah, so we're in, uh, we're in Hull, Massachusetts. Got it, got it. Uh, well, what part of Mass are you from? Something? Sorry? From Winchester. Oh, cool. Looking up Hull. Yeah, <laughs> it holds like this peninsula. Yes, exactly. Near Hingham. Yeah. So oh, sure. I don't know if I've ever been a hall. Maybe Nantasket Beach. That ring a bell? Yeah. yeah. I'm from yeah. I'm from Winchester. It's near like um, Medford and Arlington. If, like that rings a bell. It's like. Yeah, yeah, north of the city. Yeah. 15 yeah. minutes north. Yeah. Somerville. Um, yeah, I can take, like, there's, like, a low line of the commuter rail that goes through my town that, like, so I can I can basically get into Boston in, like, 12 minutes from if I take that train. Hell yeah. Nice. And so you're out in L.A. now, pretty much? Yeah, I go back and forth. I mean, I was, like, I spent most of the last summer in Boston, and then I usually come back in, in December for a bit. And, I mean, in normal times, I probably make, like, five or six trips out. My girlfriend lives in Boston and works at New Balance in Lawrence, Mass., Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, so I'm just always back and forth. Cool, awesome. Well, yeah, especially tonight, you, know, you said you had a, uh, a session later with 070, so you know we don't want to keep you too long. How much time do you have on the clock, you think? Uh, we can do an hour right now. Is that, that's what you wanted to do, right? Yeah, that's that's perfect. We generally go like 45 minutes. Um, so that's, yeah, on point. Cool, let's get into it then. Yeah, dope, absolutely. Whole House Podcast, <laughs> Johan Lennox. Uh, Boston-ish native out in LA these days, and, and crazy, crazy portfolio you have. I was I was looking at the um, the Spotify playlist that you had made about things that you had had worked on or contributed towards, and the discography of the you know from Saint John and Kanye to some of the other stuff you've done with Kanye, who's like one of our favorite artists of all time, and then you know even Selena Gomez on the list, just people that I even know about. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, just like scrolling, to like Spotify, they have that thing where they have like the green hearts next to all the songs. Right when I looked at your thing, it was like all the songs were like green hearted before. I just like love so much of the music that you've made. It's awesome. I love that. It's a good little anecdote. Yeah, right. So uh, real surface level, we'll kind of we'll kind of just start with how you got into music, I suppose, or, or into the realm of music you're in now, because I know you're you're classically trained. And then and then I think I heard a story that you heard Kanye's Dark Twisted Fantasy and were kind of like, whoa, I could I could kind of maybe do something with this. And then obviously fast forward now, you know, you have a distinct style of contribution where like each of the songs that like, you know, that playlist where I was like listening to, I was like, oh, okay, I can see exactly how, you know, he would have contributed here because it's so specific, you know, your style and what you do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, you pretty much got it. I was like, uh, studying and yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know where to start, but I, I taught myself piano as a kid and sort of for a while I was interested in that. And then sort of rather than like playing other people's music, like note for note or whatever. So I was like, got more interested in um like i used to go see like the boston pops orchestra play and at symphony hall and they had they were, like the conductor john williams who was also like run all the big film scores for you know star wars and you jones all that type of stuff so i used to see him conducting that orchestra and so i just wanted to follow in his footsteps so my parents were like help me get lessons at new england conservatory in boston and on weekends where i was just starting to study the white classical music and so i did that and then i was doing it professionally i was writing for orchestras in boston and around the country and just totally living under a rock as far as pop culture is concerned. But, um, 
but then uh yeah and then and then my friend greg uh who i grew up with in winchester i was at home at a house party at his house and i was tripping on acid and he played uh he, he played that album that it, like it had just come out and i was just like blown away by yeah coming from a classical background and like seeing people you know seeing like a mainstream sort of audience of, of my friends uh enjoying a lot of these like real crazy musical decisions he was making made me think like uh this is like this is a way i could do what i'm interested in and it's like challenging music and stuff but reach a bigger audience with it and so do you remember like specifically what part of my doctors of fantasy because i mean the, the opening of it is so epic that if you're tripping i can definitely feel how like much i would make it in yeah definitely dark fantasy that opening song and then like run away i think it's the one to this day that really like just the fact of it starting with like that single note piano solo for the first minute of the song almost which is just like yeah it's just such a striking way to begin and then sort of that like extended cello and like auto-tune vocal outro on it uh i think just yeah it's just like the piano thing in particular was some of that like with more it's felt reminiscent of the type of stuff i would be doing in like the classical world anyway so it was just cool to hear someone do that and my friend just kept running it back and just felt like trying to get people at the party like just be like yo this is crazy right this is so crazy yeah i'm just like that's pretty crazy you know that like they're all into that you know but because it's coming from kanye people are like okay yeah this is actually really cool instead of just some experimental shit they'll never hear about um and i i saw you write um I think it was on Reddit on the AMA that you did. You talked about working with Kanye and like the double vocals and uh, the vocal stacks that you're doing. Um, just like one of my favorite moments probably in like music ever is that end part of Runaway where he's got the vocoder. And he's just messing with his voice and it sounds like it's like a guitar and just humming and singing along like that had to have definitely had an impact on you i feel like so yeah I'm, i mean i think what i do is pretty different but i think yeah i think well the reason i do it so much is because when i did it and some stuff with him he was he he like pointed it out as something he liked so i think that he's probably really drawn to like vocal textures i mean i know the way he used like bonnie bear on his stuff like or justin vernon whatever uh like clearly he's into those types of textures uh harmonies and all that type of stuff but yeah i think i think if anything that for me, the inspiration for that probably came more from like singing in like college acapella groups where I was like, everything's just all these stacked harmonies and stuff. And I like learned how to sing all those types of parts. And just, so yeah, now I can just do it really easily. And no one else I know really does that the way I do it. So yeah, it's just like a texture that I can contribute. It's always like a signature for me. Yeah, it's awesome. It's cool. Since we're on the topic, I'll go ahead and ask. I've been wanting to ask somebody this for a while through all the interviews and stuff that we've done. Million dollar question. What is it like working with Kanye? What is it like being in the studio with him? I mean, it was pretty brief. Like, I didn't really, like, deal with him for, like, days at a time. It was more like I met him, and then we, like, spoke on the phone a few times about, like, the direction for the project. But he was pretty clear on, like, what he wanted. He was very, like, calm, if that's what you mean. Like, he was just, like, kind of, like, awkward and, like, quiet, if anything. He wasn't, like, I didn't see, like, the other side of, you know, he clearly has, you know. Which I feel like, yeah, I feel like that side is that side, and I, you know, it makes sense when you say it like that. I can't imagine him just being so sporadic in the studio. I imagine he's very like level-headed, and I think he is both. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've definitely heard stories from friends who worked with him that where he was just like jumping off the walls kind of shit. But yeah, from from my experience, like, yeah, it was like a pretty sober kind of. Was it like laser, laser focus? Yeah, well, it was really hectic too because it was like. You know, we're just doing like five albums in five weeks and so it's just like i mean that that really means like you get like four or five days because it has to get mixed and stuff and there's a release party and then the next day you start you know so it's just like yeah it was an insane way to do shit like the music that was on for the two albums that i worked on the like the music that played at the release party didn't match what ended up being on the final album like on the tiana taylor album like entire songs were cut or added in between that you know the day after the party before it came out so yeah, it was like, it was, yeah, it was a ridiculous way to do things. But I think I definitely learned, like, how to just be, like, it was just such an opportunity that I didn't want to fuck up that, you, that it was really just, like, good training and just, like, just get this done by, like, any any way possible, you know? Like, don't say no, don't fuck it up, you know? <laughs> Is that something that you generally see in the industry where, like, albums are, like, you know, I mean, obviously, like, things are always changing, but, like, one of the things you always hear about Kanye is that, like, and even after the album drops like pablo it's it's always changing even after and so like you know do you think that's something that's very specific with him or is that something that's you know you think that's going to become more of a trend in the industry 
I mean, I, I'm in favor of becoming more common. I mean, yeah, like I, I'm replacing. What I really wanted to do is on a bunch of the EPs I have out, I wanted to re-sing the vocals because I don't like how I sang a bunch of them. So I like did this, um, like a couple months ago, just like like twelve songs of mine, I just re-sang the vocal. And what I really wanted to do is just replace the audio on on Spotify without you know, so it just keeps the play count and everything, which is pretty much exactly what he did and i know other people do this too but my label like has a policy against doing that so instead what i'm gonna do is just put out a second set of it just like like you know how taylor swift is re-recording her songs the same stuff again yeah yeah i'm just gonna put out johan's version of a bunch of these songs like literally in a few weeks just yeah but uh yeah no i I definitely take inspiration from that i think um yeah no i mean he's probably the extreme as far as just like last minute changes and like I'm trying to think if I've ever, I mean, like in general, it's more like that in rap than it is in pop music, like pop. It's a little more planned out. Like I described the circumstances I've worked in hip hop to people that I work with on the pop side. And they're always just like, Oh my God, I can't imagine, you know, and like, and even like, like the hip hop sessions often start at 10 PM or 11 PM, you know, which is like when you go to like five or six, or you know, and a, lot, a lot of the people I work in that world, like wake up at 3 PM every day. Uh, which is just like cool, but it's just yeah, it's just like completely opposite from the rest of the 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 you know like the pop side of the industry. So yeah, it's definitely just different. <laughs> Do you think that that process puts you in a different mindset? Like the studio sessions I've been in, just staying up and like almost kind of grinding yourself out to get like creative stuff out there, and you almost like break yourself down being up for eleven straight hours sitting around in the studio smoking like an unbelievable amount of weed yeah all that sounds about right i mean yeah definitely like like i wouldn't drink during a day session but like when you get to a session at 11 p.m everyone's drinking so that's different obviously it's like everyone's smoking so yeah definitely like i mean those sessions also i think like usually it's like a lot of people there like it's like there's an engineer there's the artist there's a couple other writers or producers you know there's like some just the guy who rolls blunts and does nothing else you know it's just like a whole you know what i mean so it's crucial to the process though yeah oh yeah critical yeah uh so it's like i feel like it feels almost like a little party or something and i think the good thing about that especially like my position like i guess if i was the engineer in that situation it'd be really stressful because like you actually do have to be on the ball and it's like 4 a.m and you're just out of it it would suck but like I'm there just like doing some shit on the laptop or maybe going up to a synth and playing in a part or whatever. And I feel like I don't have to be a really a hundred percent of my game. And like, yeah, there are like cool ideas that come out of that, like deliriousness for sure. But I think I personally tend to be like more of a control freak with my own music. And so like, I would much rather like wake up and get started on it in the morning than like be drunkenly doing it with like <laughs> 10 people around me like shouting in a room at like 4 a.m one smoke but you know that's that's all almost all the hip-hop stuff i've done has been in that more yeah, because like I, again like kanye is like notorious for that for giving dudes writing credits that are just sitting in the room throwing out ideas at two o'clock in the morning when they're out in hawaii for uh my beautiful dark Twisted fantasy you look at the credits it's like so long and he has he's like shameless with it i feel like some guys try and hide it or take all the credit for it but I, I just admire that so much about him. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that actually because I feel like I feel like if anything, the reputation among that world is more that it's like impossible to get paid. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. So it's like it's it, yeah, you are right that those, there's tons of people credit on those things, but it, oftentimes I feel like it's not even everyone that worked on it on there. But it's like there's there's a few reasons why that happens though, because also like every sample is usually credited to like an entire band. So all, you know, there's like five writers that because you have one sample, five writers are added to the writing and that's just like a legal thing. Uh, but yeah, no, um, yeah, no, I think you're right. It, it is, it is good that they, that they, that they put those names on there. And I, I know like you were working with Nas too. I know he puts like, uh, different kids on his, uh, as credits on his album to get royalties and stuff like that. So it yeah, what, did uh, I mean, Nas is one of my favorite rappers of all time since I was like fourteen or fifteen. What was the process like working with him? Was he was he, I, I picture him? Well, just- that, that actually that was one of the ones I worked with Kanye on. So actually, believe it or not, like I didn't I never even met Nas. Like Nas oh, is like wow, wow. Really present. Yeah. So like Mike Dean is the one I really was close with and still am. Like and he hit me up 
about replacing a couple orchestra samples for that album. And I basically just did them and sent them back and forth with Mike, and then that went well. So I met Kanye and worked with them on the Tiana album the next week. But yeah, I've never met Nas. And it'd be funny too because I've also worked on the Lil Nas X Nas remix of Rodeo. So I've, I've worked on two different things, like unrelated products that have Nas on them, but I've never, I've never actually met it. That is funny. I'm glad you brought up Mike Dean though, because that's somebody who like. If Kanye had never worked with Mike Dean, I think I'd still love Kanye, but that it elevates to a whole new level of like Kanye expanding into the, you know, a lot of those like super like analog synthy the sounds and all that kind of stuff. So so what was that kind of like? I think I think Mike Dean found you on Twitter, right? That's kind of what I heard. Yeah, yeah, man, you did your research. Or at least you read my interviews. But yeah, no, yeah, yeah Mike, um, yeah, that was pretty rare. Almost everyone that I've worked with like was the result of like a direct introduction from someone else. Like, it's like, I can trace most of the relationships I have back all the way to like how, you know, to the very, to like a friend of a friend at the very beginning, you know, but the Mike Dean one is one of the very rare ones where he just literally found me out of nowhere. Uh, after, yeah, I did this concert that you probably heard about called Yeethoven, which was like orchestra playing Kanye and Beethoven music right. mashed up. And it was mostly focused on Jesus and had a ton of like Mike Dean's, uh, like synth work it, you know it was like a big basis of like the music that i was interested in putting in that setting which i actually did that show with my friend yuga kohler who's from lexington mass so oh, cool. mass Shut up. but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah um so yeah that that it was just like a good viral like thing like you know and then i never expected it to have any effect on my like career as a producer or artist i just thought it would be like a fun thing to do that was really like yuga's idea to you know and then we just came up with it together um but yeah, he just like followed me on Twitter. And actually, the funny thing about that is he followed me on Twitter. I didn't even notice for a year. Oh damn! Like I just like if you don't like, see the notification, then like that's it. You're never gonna unless you're like looking at who your followers are. You'll you know you're never gonna notice. So I literally didn't notice for a year until I was looking at his profile and just like oh my god, that's so funny. I followed him back. <laughs> and I was just like literally like I probably could have been on so many more projects, but it's good. I did it just in time to do the five albums. That, that period and then Astral World, so it ended up working out. It was a good. That was all like twenty eighteen, I guess. So, did you like know? Were you like a big Mike Dean fan at the time, or were you kind of like, oh, okay, like kind of brush it off? You know? I mean, I was aware of like his involvement in all these songs that I was a fan of, but it's actually interesting because I like the dark, like my was Darkness of Fantasy was like the album that really sent me on this course, and I went back through it recently and like almost. Like, if you look at every song, there's, there's only really two people that are credited, I think, on every single song, and it's Mike Dean and No ID, and those are the two people I've worked with more closely than almost anyone, you know, in terms of, like, producers, so it's, like, yeah, it was, like, a cool full circle moment, because I hadn't really, like, they, they, those two names weren't, like, obsessive things for me, I, I like, knew they were, but I wasn't, like, I'm gonna get to these two guys, but it ended up just being that those were the two that took interest in me through very different circumstances, and, like, you know things happen for a reason i guess no idea is a pretty uh incredible mentor to have just his his coaching tree if you will of people that he's mentor and kanye and i forget what song it is but no idea my mentor and i'll let the story begin like it's just he he's unbelievable yeah big brother yeah yeah no he's great i mean i see you know something last week he's like um he's like yeah he's really like yoda like in his wisdom and he yeah he's just great just gives really good advice really thoughtful ideas about music and yeah he's a very like big picture guy i think him and mike are kind of opposite in that way because mike still to this day is doing like detailed mix and production stuff on everything he works on whereas i feel like no idea is taking more of a role of like overseeing big projects and putting people together and kind of imagining how you know it's, i mean they, they both are like at the top of their game and it's really cool but they're like in a way they're kind of like complimentary to each other in that way i'm just curious of what mike's um like creative processes of you watching him because I, I love watching his twitches and I could just listen to him sit there and just mess with synths for like five or six hours I'd imagine that that's what a lot of his processes is just because I mean you can and when you're watching him you can tell that his mind is moving at a direction that my mind certainly can't even process of him just listening to sounds and listening to waves and stuff so, yeah he's definitely a big synth fanatic and I mean you can watch that in real time if you've watched his like jams from last year like the start of quarantine or whatever you can pretty much, like that is pretty much it you just seeing him like turn a bunch of shit on and just messing with settings on you know and, and playing um and then he made an album of or two albums of that stuff but um um yeah i mean like i mostly work with him I, like i've never really done sessions with him starting stuff 
almost everything I've done with him was like him finishing stuff, which is like really his role. I think on most of the products that I'm that I personally am excited about, like Astro World, it's like he didn't really start most of those beats. They like came from various places, but then he kind of pulled the whole thing together and figured out how to like put in these outros, hired me to put strings on stuff. Like he's thinking in terms of like yeah, the cohesion of the project and like I'm you know just mixing it as he does it kind of so. I think I kind of relate to that actually that that aspect of his job and then, and then yeah if he's like this needs a synth solo he'll turn one on and that's like I'm sure like his favorite part same with or guitar solo or whatever but I think the part that I really relate to is more just like the general like how do I make this flow like one continuous thing and just like one thing that I think he can I asked him if he invented this and he said he did so I'm gonna trust his word on it but that there's like it's like fairly trendy and i hear it in a lot of places now to end a song with like the beat just being pitched down and spent and slowed down by half and that's just like a way to make an outro out of a song with if you don't have any you know uh anything else kind of and he does that on a ton of travis stuff i think uh sickle mode even does it and i've seen him i saw him do that on like a designer track that we worked on and like he did that to my strings and i was just like oh that's so cool hearing yeah. like halftime like secret that. sauce yeah 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 but it's just like yeah, just experimenting and yeah, just trying to do stuff that's different, especially in those outros, which is something I definitely do a lot of with artists as well. Because that's like that's really the part of the song where it's like by that point, people either like the song or don't like it, and then you can get weird. But like you can't like giving them a weird forty second intro is like a much riskier move. But a forty second outro you can do because by that point they're exactly. already sold. You know what I mean? It's easier to get away with. Yeah. Yeah. So what's it like listening to like Mike Dean's? Because you bring up a good point with his two albums that he that he recently dropped, like the four twenty one, and then the I think the last one's called four twenty two. Um, for you to be in the studio and like kind of see his process, what is it like? Like, what is the does it add to the perspective of listening to to his like music? Because like for me, if I'm listening to either of those two albums, it, it's an experience. Whether I'm as sober as could be or not, like you just sit there and you're like, whoa, like this is this is absolutely yeah. crazy, you know. I mean, it's funny to kind of think about it. It's that stuff, just like what is involved in doing that because they're live, really. Like, it's like he could have made albums like that if he wanted to that were like crafted, but they are just live performances, really. He like turns on an ARP, then lets the ARP go. Maybe he changes it a little bit and then, it just, then it's just kind of like looping and then he's sort of like adding a solo on another instrument, you know, and just kind of like, what can you do with two hands and like a thing that just, you know, anything that'll sort of play on its own, basically, if you set it to. And I think, uh, I think that's what's interesting about that project. It's like, and I think, cause I had the stems cause I, you know, I did those like two orchestral versions at the end of the right. 422. So I had the stems and it is like, a, it's a good visual to see too. Cause it is really just like, you can see like, Oh, it's this instrument. And then it stops, and now it's this instrument because, like, that's how many. It's so cool, yeah. Like, it can't, you know, like you couldn't just have it. But if, like, if I'm writing for orchestra, I would probably keep this thing going, and then you know. But you can see, like, the thing is entirely constrained by just like the fact that it's one person doing it live. Right. I think that it's, it's so. I think having to think with that as like a compositional limitation is kind of interesting. Which is so awesome, by the way. I'll, I'll say, like, I've been listening to that that last album a lot this past month. <laughs> so it's really cool, you know, even with that in mind, to be able to talk to you tonight. You guys are the, the real Mike Dean stands, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he. It, it's funny, too, with quarantine and, like, Twitch and everything like that. He was almost, like, such a mystery man to, like us like me as like a fan he was like the, the kind of the guy who would come in and like there was always like stories you read in an interview of like we brought mike dean in in the last couple days before the album and he just put this stuff down that was crazy and to just be able to like have these guys kind of put out like their again like secret sauce or just watch him just sit there and work is just a crazy thing to do as a fan i think yeah i think he's been an interesting role model for me because that is like that's kind of position i found myself in with most of the big products i work on is that i'm basically just like coming in at the very end and, and finessing stuff. Sometimes a lot. Sometimes it's like, oh, we should completely reproduce this song. Uh, but or, you know, sometimes it's just like, yeah, we should like mute a bunch of stuff, which is like the Rick Rubin approach, I guess. And then sometimes it's like, yeah, here's like a cool outro. Here's a transition, here, you know? And like, I love that part of the process because like, it's more fun to like work on stuff that's actually going to come out, I guess. And like, if you're, if you're early in the process, then it's like, like with 07 or Shake, like, I mean, I love her. I love the music we're making, so I'm like down to do it. But like, you know, like 80% of what we do is not going to get used because we're making like 150 songs. You know what I mean? And that's like, that's normal. That's like how it is with most artists. 
uh, and for her, I'm down to do that. But like, I couldn't, you, I couldn't do that for that many artists because it was just almost everything I did would not be getting used, and it just feel like I was like, you know, what I mean, like one session a day with a different artist every day, and almost none of this is getting used. It's kind of like I, I, I tried it for a while. Like, I mean, that is like what pop producers or writers mostly do because they're trying for hits. It's like, all right, we're gonna try to write the next Katy Perry hit today, and you know, tomorrow we'll try again, and you know, it's just keep doing it. And if you're really lucky, you get one. But I don't know. I'd rather like just do a cool outro on a song that like where the song is absolutely coming out. And basically, if I do a good job, they'll use my shit. It's like I find it more satisfying. Yeah, it's definitely a good feeling. So, who are some artists that you uh, that you want to work with that you haven't been able to yet? Mm, the weekend. Post Malone, Drake. <laughs> yeah, Drake's got to be yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> the thing on Drake, though, is I don't think he really works with the people. Like, like my friend Roger has produced for him, or he has, like, he did the loop on, uh, what the fuck is that song called? It was like a brass. It, it came out like a few months ago. I don't even remember the name of it. Uh, What's next, I think? Yeah. What the hell is this song called? You're probably right. Yeah, yeah. I think we all have the sound yeah, in our head. Brass. I'm like, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Damn. They don't even listen on his production discography. I don't know why. Oh, laugh now, cry later. Oh yeah. yeah damn. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So he made he made that loop, the, that main loop. Yeah, movie. that's his loop. Exactly the music loop. Yeah. So, but I don't know. Like, I haven't asked him about it, but I don't. Think he was in the room with Drake. I think he probably just sent that to Forty or someone, and someone was just like, "Here, send me like five ideas or something." And you know what I mean? And then he probably just like heard it was coming out. Like I don't like Drake. I'm pretty sure Drake just works with Forty. And that's it. So it's like, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't even be like it's like cool to. I don't know. It's like now that I think about it, it's like maybe I don't really care that much about that. It's like, <laughs> like it'd be cool for the money, and it'd not, be cool. Uh, for- Rethink you from working with Drake. <laughs> it would. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would open up a ton of opportunities. Probably, like if you know, like instantly, everyone want your your price would go up. So yeah, I mean, like on that level, it'd be cool. Yeah. But I think I'm more excited about again, like 070 Shake and like people like there's this dude Rumor who's it's called RMR. You probably saw it's like a, he's a ski mask wearing. Uh, yeah. singer who had a, a country music cover the, oh, yeah, the music video is uh it's phenomenal <laughs> incredible yeah so i've been working with him a ton and with shake and like i'm really excited about those artists because like i feel like I'm, I'm building like real relationships that like hopefully could turn into like me opening for them on tour or getting a feature on a song or whatever it's like that and i'm learning from them their taste like that that's like more exciting than me than like the Selena Gomez cut or whatever, which is cool. And again, probably like raises my price a bit, but it's like, and I love that song. I'm actually like a big fan of a lot of what she does, but like, I'm not going to put her on one of my songs. I'm not going to open it. Like, it's just like that relationship doesn't really have any utility to me beyond, you know, for my artist stuff and for what I really care about with this classical shit. It's just like, you know, it's just like music industry shit at that point, but it's still cool. Yeah. I did not know you work with uh, with Rumor. That's very interesting. Um, oh, constantly. But- yeah, literally I spent, <laughs> yeah, except for Shake in the past couple of months. But yeah, before that, I was with him almost every day. That's cool. And, and he, yeah, I'll just tell you, he's, I have him on my album, actually, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, he's one of the features on the album. Oh, and that's Clemens crazy. also is another one. That's wild. And then, yeah, it was 7 Shake. I mean, that's an artist that I've been watching for, like, I don't know, the past couple of years. She has so much potential, too. I mean, I think it, as soon as I heard Guilty Conscious, I was like, all right, this is, like, really cool. You know, she's, wow. she's doing something that's, like, like, yeah, it's so... And, and Ghost Town, too. And, it's oh, just like, that's, holy, like, another level, holy too. Holy shit. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, with, like, those... Like, the way that Kanye did that was so awesome. Those yeah. release parties and, like, just hearing her voice come in, it was like... And, like, I was, like, reading the, like, live, like tweets or like whatever like live chats people are like yo and like so like, yeah this is girl from new jersey it's like holy shit this is awesome and i went and listened to all of her shit and it was so awesome yeah. like same i mean that was the first i'd ever heard of her but she actually like had been kind of popping for a while at that point that freestyle that she has she has like that big group freestyle um yeah exactly and, and i had listened to, i listened to that before and watched that music video and i was like oh this is the same person this is un because she she was i like no diss to any of the other people that were in that group freestyle, but it was like watching that music video with her. It was like, oh man, this girl is a star. Like first tat, face tat. Mama had to face that. It was like, oh man, this is <laughs> this is super super cool. Yeah. 
you know, she's she's a legend. It's been cool, yeah. It's like I worked on her last album, but I was like, I only like met her once during that process. But this time, I've just been there with her, and like, I, I, she has like a house in LA right now. And it's just been with her and this guy Dave Hamlin that produces a lot of her shit, and the engineer, and this kid Vinny, and this other guy 070 Sebastian. And it's just kind of like, yeah, every night feels really good. I like that. Awesome. The only other stuff I really liked it to that extent was like Vic Mensa a couple of years ago where again I was just like basically there every night from midnight to four or five and like yeah just got really close with that group and it's, it's a good feeling but it's you can only kind of do it with one artist at a time and if I was on tour I probably couldn't do it at all and that is my goal to get you know, on tour as my own shit next year so you know but while I can I'm doing it Awesome. And for people that are listening right now, though, to, to acknowledge how much we appreciate Johan, like we were trying to schedule this earlier today, and obviously you have a, you have a you have a session later with O Seven O Shake, so we were trying to figure out how to coordinate the podcast, the radio, the radio bit, and then you were like, yeah, I mean, if, if it has to be, I'll I'll pop out of the, the session. <laughs> we were like, whoa, no, no way, like we can't. Well, I, can do it for, I said I would do it for the five minutes, but the sessions are like, I think it's yeah. kind of what I was saying earlier. Like those sessions are like, it's a big group of people, right? So it's just like. It's like if it'd be one thing if it was just me and the artist where it's like you really couldn't do that without it yeah, being like yeah. kinda like, Is it okay if I do this? But there it's just like I don't know, you can just take a call. You know what I mean? It's like there's just enough going on that like people kinda understand it out. Like Yeah. We st- we still appreciate it though. Yeah, yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, no problem. Um so have you uh, been in the room with uh Brock Hampton, like with a lot of those yeah, guys? Yeah, I mean, th- that was another gr- group that I, re- I like vividly remember sitting on the train going home from work and watching Heat and Gold, those music videos, back to back. When it first came out, I was like, man, these guys are so, so cool. Like, big boy band. Like, yeah, you know I mean? yeah. That <laughs> like, was so, so like, did, did you really feel, and especially now, the way that they've just evolved, and I think they've said that their upcoming album like, might be their last, but yeah. could you, w- w- what was the energy like working with those guys? Because it cool, seems like... Man. Yeah, they're very like kind and positive. I mean, Will Meal's the one I've spent the most time with. He's like the sort of producer, lead producer of everything they do. And he's from like Connecticut. I spent a lot of time in Connecticut, so we you know, we just instantly connected. Uh and then Kevin, whose real name is Ian, is super nice and kinda like quiet. And then the other guys mainly would just kinda like pop in and out. Uh Jabari, I worked with a bit during that. But yeah, primarily it's just dealing directly with Ramil on most of it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just positive, kind, like quiet kind of energy. Like, I mean, they're not super loud or boisterous people in person. And I like, it seems like they've kind of like almost been through the ringer too. They were such like a huge next big thing. And like uh, you can hear it in their music too, just some of the shit that they've gone through, especially as like a group of being like young guys like that and having to go through the industry and touring around as a group has got to be just tough. And they fought through it, and they make incredible music now still. Yeah, I think all things considered, like they they seem pretty healthy and happy. Yeah. And I mean, I I think even at least based off of what they've been saying, like yeah, like I think they want to do like a sort of popular album. Um, and then, uh, I mean, I think they just want to like do a bunch of side projects and stuff, but I'm sure they'll come back together and do more albums down the line. But I think they just don't want to be like purely grinding and touring nonstop. Yeah. It's cool to have multiple lenses and, you know, being able to create and have multiple projects, which is, you know, in a lot of ways, it's like kind of like what you're doing too. You know, you're, you're doing so much on the production side, but then also you have your own, you know, solo music that you're doing vocally and stuff. So how did you get into into like that that space of creating? I'm kind of curious to know the process. And this is something that I don't know if I fully like did was able to do research on with like you know reading previous interviews and stuff. But like you know, obviously like you were doing classical music, you got into production. Where did solo vocal music come into play? Well, what really happened is is that it, like after getting into the Kanye shit, I was in like school still doing classical music. And my interest when I was in classical had been and still is to like find ways of making that music into like a bigger sort of cultural phenomenon in America where, you know, it isn't on right now. And I already had a lot of ideas for how to achieve that. But I think hearing that Kanye album created this idea in my mind that like, oh, like if you're like a big, well-known artist, 
who's known for pushing boundaries, then you're, you're then the fans will ride with you for a lot of weird shit. And that's probably the best way to get to where I want to be in terms of being able to have the impact I want on classical and, and, uh, and like doing whatever Broadway and film and all that type of stuff. So basically the goal has always been to be the artist. And I just happened to have success as a producer first. And so I followed that because, you know what I mean? But it's like the goal, I really have actually been releasing music the whole time and I had a different name for a while, but you'll met like all that music's gone now, you know, it's whatever. And, and then you can even hear my sound has like evolved quite a bit with the music I have out as you on Linux that like, you know, it's still evolving. I think the album could be the best shit yet. I mean, if you listen to like Phases by Cousins, uh, me, if you drink Cousins, it's like that. I think reflects the direction I'm going in. I think that's like the best thing I have out. And I'm just like, I'm ready to like fucking go for it. But I've been ready the whole time, but I feel like I just know so much more now than I did a couple of years ago. And like, I think maybe it also just took longer. Like maybe the production took off sooner. And then being around other artists gave me a lot of inspiration about like how to be a good artist. Cause I like really wasn't a fan of pop or hip hop music as a kid. So I don't, I don't really know what it's like to be on the other side of that kind of relationship with an artist. So it's like, it's been kind of like, I've had to like learn that stuff in a sort of inorganic way, you know, like just being like, Oh, well, what is, what is going on in pop music? You know, like where do I fit? And it's been a lot of trying different shit to see where it fits. Like it wasn't just like, I think most artists come up because they're huge fans of certain artists and they want to follow their footsteps. But for me, it was more like, well, I just like Kanye, but I can't, I'm not a rapper. I don't want to be a rapper. So it's just like, I had to find out where, how to sing and, you know, what my production should sound like, what I'm going to sing about. And I think it just took a while to come together, but now I'm good. And it shows too. I mean, your music is so organic and just the sound uh, and authenticity that comes through is just, it doesn't sound like anybody else, which is huge. Thank you. Have that vocal yeah, yeah. Too, where it's your vocals specifically are so unique. And so just like, legitimately pleasing you're not just a good singer but like you have such a quality voice it's like it's like you know in modern day like when you hear like the weekend like you're saying or like frank ocean you know it's like you listen to these voices and you're like all right there's a lot that can be done with that i feel like you have one of those voices that like now like when i hear your vocals come up i'm like okay this is by default i'm like all right this is going to be good and it can go in so many directions too yeah like, like feature with cousin stiz or you know a slow ballad and stuff like that yeah definitely yeah, yeah. well i'm excited for y'all to hear the album i think yeah, I think it'll be a good, hopefully, like reflection of that. I'm still trying to pin down a couple other features on it that I really want, but I think that, if anything, though, like a lot of my production work has been thinking strategically about like if I produce for these artists, will that help me push my own shit because it'll help with the story or because I can get them to feature or whatever. And I'm really thinking about like the artist project is the main focus for me, even though I know it seems like the production is because I've had more success there. And like my resume is mostly production credits at this point. But yeah, no, the artist stuff is the best source where I'm headed with it. For Absolutely. sure. Dope. Cool, cool. So when is, the, do you have a release date for the album yet? No, nah, not yet. I'm, 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 I'm stalling for the next month or two by just dropping alternate versions of a bunch of songs that I have out. Uh, so like phases, I'm putting out a version tonight that's like just strings and vocals and no drums oh, yeah. at all. And then, yeah, I'm going to do a whole, whole EP of songs that I have out already just in that format. Uh, so that'll come out in a few weeks. Um, and then... And then I'm going to do that other the thing where I'm redoing the, the Johan vocal versions of my own songs. Uh, that'll come out like a few weeks after that. And then hopefully by that point, I'll be ready to get probably the ant. Well, who knows? Whatever. One of the singles off the album by that point, the video and all that. And then, yeah, I mean, hopefully the album will be like out by the end of the summer, but I don't have a date yet. And then I actually have this whole other side project I did, which you'll probably enjoy. That's like, I got a bunch of like classical composers together and had them write excerpts of music for like live instrumentation and put it together with a couple of friends into this like collage of an album of classical music and then put like 11 rappers and singers on it. Wow. So that's that, crazy. Yeah. And I can tell you, so it's got like Danny Brown on it. It's got like six, four, five AR. If you know who that is. Oh Lil yeah. Beep, 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 the, yeah. yeah. It's got him. Lil B the bass God, big oh, Mensa, yeah. channel trace, Sakari Masega or two like R and B type singers. And then Casey Hill, Tommy Genesis, uh, girl named Empress of who's amazing. That might be it. Damn, what a lineup! That's crazy. Yeah, so it's just like that one's like not like they're barely songs. Like they're just it's just like weird sound compositions that happen to have vocals on them. But yeah, it'll be 
So that will come out probably before my album comes out. But I'm going to try to get it all out pretty quickly. Is that going to be under your name or, or what name is that uh, project? The name of the project right now is Iso Monstrosity, which is just a word we made up. Uh, and I did it with a composer named Ellen Reed. And then, again, my friend Yuga that I did the Yeatoman show with. Um, so we kind of exec produced it. But, yeah, it'll probably just be credited all three of us. That's I mean, awesome. I obviously all the artists that are on it are because of me. Like, they don't know people in that world. <laughs> but but that's sort of the classical stuff was kind of all three of us. Uh, do you have a good relationship with Danny Brown? Have you worked with him? Like that one was strange, to be totally honest. Like that, I mean, him and six four five. I spoke to six four five on the phone. Danny Brown, like literally, we just sent it through a publisher, and they were, yeah. which by the way, almost never works. But the concept was so insane that I think they were just like, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. He's in a weird shit, and they sent it, and he was yeah, like, definitely. And then he sent back audio, and that was it. So yeah, I mean that. But most of them are people like Channel, Channel Zakari, Vic. Masego, Casey Hill, those are all people I've like worked with. Lil B, I hit up on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> like you can get a Lil B feature if you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People don't really do anything interesting with it, but it's like, yeah, he'll just do it for you if if, if you if you reach him. You know, he'll like he'll be like, if you want, Venmo me a couple hundred bucks, but it's not, it's okay. And it's like, Dude, we got to get a little B on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I bet he can. Can like speak at like MIT or Harvard or something? Yeah, yeah. I think at like Harvard Business School or something. Like yeah. That. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, he's, he's the real one. Uh, yeah. So that was, and actually tracking down the classical people was pretty hard on that too, actually. Like just a lot of people to wrangle, which is why it was really like a quarantine project and it should have come out in like October. But like, you know, just wrangling everybody and then doing the business on the back end is just like slow as fuck when there's like 25 collaborators on it. But we're getting there. That's awesome. I'm super, super excited, excited to hear that. Yeah, it's going to be very like, experimental. I mean, like, I sort of see my own project as like, it, it, basically it's like pop music, but uh, my, yeah, my solo project is like probably the more like commercial version. So it's like, hopefully reach a bigger audience with that. And then the, you know, the cool kids and weird kids who really want some <laughs> weird shit will have this experimental project. And hopefully that people start to kind of see like the range of shit I can do. And that, yeah, pretty cool. That is, that is awesome. Yeah, I'm excited, not just for the projects you have like coming up this year, just your whole career is a span. I feel like you have so much to offer that's so unique to the industry. And, and I mean, just to look back at hip-hop in the past 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, things are changing and developing, and there's a lot more like taking from different things. And so I am definitely excited to see how the genre pioneers and how things keep changing and everything you have going on. So, um, you know, listen, thank you so much for coming on. We're, we're very appreciative, obviously, of you taking your time out, out of your busy day. Um, where can people find you on streaming? Where can they find you on social media? How they can, how can they keep up with everything, Johan? Yeah, I'm at Johan Lennox on every, everywhere. So it's J-O-H-A-N-L-E-N-O-X. Um, and, yeah, it's like, yeah, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I do a lot on TikTok lately. I've been having a Hell lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you can see me do videos on there where I like open up big songs I've worked on and just show you how I, it, to the extent that you can in 59 seconds explain what I did on the song and show people a little behind the scenes. Wait, actually, we should ask you about TikTok. We talk about TikTok a lot on the show, so we might as well ask you, what are your thoughts on, on the TikTok algorithm, the For You page? Do you believe it's a conspiracy? I, I'm just, I just don't, we don't know if there's a system behind it because like we see like, we've heard like a million explanations for how you blow up on TikTok, how you can pop off on there. And like, I don't know, like I had a video that had like 800,000 views, nothing before or after I, my TikTok should have, should have uh, accounted for that. It should have never happened, you know? That's wild. I, yeah. I don't even think I have one that's quite, I think I have one that's maybe six or 700,000, which is the one of me talking about Astroworld. I'm going to check and see where it's up to now. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think generally, I don't know, like, having just watched, like, you know, firsthand watching the videos sort of pick up momentum. Uh, oh, yeah, 700K. Not bad. 700,000. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, so, I, the way I, like, I noticed that what will happen is, like, it'll kind of get shown to, like, well, I usually use hashtags, so that probably affects it, too, but you know, it gets shown to people who are in, like either your followers or the people who follow the hashtag or just anyone, I guess, in your region. I don't know, just whatever. I think they just test it on some people. And then, if, you know, if, if, if like enough of those people hit heart or whatever, then it blasts like quite a bit wider or potentially like way wider. And then if it underperforms there, then it like cuts back down. You can kind of watch it. It feels like it's like every 20 or 30 minutes or maybe it's by a percentage of the views, you know. 
but like like i watch it it's like okay it's sort of going along and then two hours into it it's just like oh it seems like enough percentage of people seem to be into it that they're like all right we're gonna go wide with this and now suddenly it's just going you know up a thousand views every you know couple minutes but then you know but then it's not doing quite as well so after 20 minutes of that it's like okay now they're bringing it back down to like another trough of one of these like you know so i think it's all like i mean it's clearly all automated but I think that's the basic idea is that every, well, I think what you're describing is that like, it, it does really nothing to do with the size of your profile. It really just has to do with like the virality of the individual video. So like, you know, if you have more followers, I guess that gives it more of a chance to, to, to test out and do well with people. But yeah, I think basically every, every video is just completely an independent object and it's just how viral is this video or not, you know? So yeah, I think that. Have you seen? I I, know, I just know like a lot of like managers and stuff. They're like, you got to be on there. You got to post. Have you like seen people out in LA? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's why I got on there. I got like bullied into it by my manager and my <laughs> label, and they were just like, yeah, you got to be on here. And I like ignored them for like six months, and then finally they were just like, yeah, just do this to hum-. like my manager was just like, just do this so they can't use it as an excuse, kind of if they're not doing shit or whatever. So. I started doing it. Yeah. I mean, the first, everything I posted is still up pretty much. So, I mean, yeah, they're like the first 10 videos I did didn't really do shit. It's like first 12, 13, 14, 15. And then, yeah. And then, and then I did one about that. We want the channel trace featuring Tyler, the creator song. And that got like 54,000 views. And suddenly I was just like, okay, cool. And then I just repeated that format. But, I mean, yeah, like everybody's different. My videos definitely depend on like, me saying a famous person's name within the first five seconds of the video about a song I worked on. And like, for the most part, when I talk about other stuff, it doesn't do as well. I've done a couple that are just more general, like here's how to make it in the music industry or whatever. But like, I don't really enjoy that shit as much. And I don't really want it to turn into a channel of just like one of those guys who's like, salesman. <laughs> yeah exactly it's like you should be following me because of my music not because like you know but i don't know like there's, there's there's people who do both like you know like kenny beats or whatever yeah. and just to do you know work with really cool artists and people think he's really cool but he also is very open and does a lot of that behind the scenes shit too so i feel like it's more possible now than ever but yeah it would be nice to like have the song have my own songs picking up on there I haven't quite figured out what the. It seems like that. That yeah, is like crazy. Very, very random. Like when a song just becomes like a challenge and like you know like that. I know there are like marketing firms that try to make that shit happen, but I don't think there's really a way to guarantee it would happen unless you could just spend like a million dollars on it. But, <laughs> which is just like yeah, like I saw like a picture of one of like like a farm out in some Asian country and some lady sitting in front of like a hundred phones. And you can like pay like some place out there to just sit there and like and scroll through all your stuff. Yeah, it's like you know that some companies and some labels are just throwing money at those split farms. Yeah, it could be that, or it's like you know, get like just paying a bunch of big influencers to like do a particular dance to a thing all on the same week or whatever, and hopefully enough of their followers start to just think it's a real thing that it takes right. off. And like you've seen that happen, but I don't, know. I don't think it's like. I think it was before TikTok, I guess, but like the Harlem Shake thing, was that a Vine or whatever? I'm pretty sure that that was, or maybe it was like the Black Beetle. Wasn't there a challenge for Black Beetle or something? I'm pretty sure that one was planted. Like they just were like, we're just going to make this (laughs) before everyone was doing that. And then they came out with like that uh, perplexing Pegasus song, like right after Black Beatles, and it was like, here's the Pegasus challenge, and it did not catch on, like (laughs) as hard as Black Beetle. Yeah, yeah. There's no guarantee. I don't know what the best way to spend marketing money is. I'm trying to figure that right now because I really want my album to do well. I'm just trying to think like, well, I can run ads on Instagram and I found that those do okay. Actually, you've probably seen them. Like I started running ads in Massachusetts that are just specifically me talking about being from Mass and then like with lots of stiz in them. And like, it seems like those did really well. Actually, people were just like, oh, hell yeah. You know, it's like, because I'm actually targeting people who wanted it. Yeah. Did you know Stiz while you were out here, or did you meet him out in LA? We met, we met in LA. Actually, we, I think we literally met at South by Southwest in Austin, but I was with like a huge crew of Boston people. And oh, nice. There's a ton of Boston people in like New Hampshire and Brockton, and you know, people that all kind of work together here. There's a producer named Lil Rich. There's an artist named Bia. Uh, yeah, Bia's awesome. An artist named Aziz the Sheikh, who's from. Oh, yeah. New Hampshire, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so like I. 
they all like I, they all know each other. I've met I met you know basically them all together and like they all kind of work together in different combinations. Instead, one there's a kid named Khalif who does like Afro pop kind of Afro beat whatever. Um, there's OG Swagger Dick. I guess he's back out in Boston. He was on like, he's he was been on, on our show podcast. last week. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, he's yeah, awesome. He's dope. I love him, yeah, and and like Michael Christmas, and yeah, I mean, this is like a pretty small crew, and like, no, I did not know any of these people in Boston, but I think a lot of folks met in LA, like, yeah, there's yeah. this dude, Kwaku, who like, calls the, the whole thing Boss Angeles. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a weird nice guy, too. Yeah. yeah it's good, because I mean, it, it feels like, and I guess we were probably younger, too, so it was harder to really recognize, but it does feel like there's sort of a resurgence, and a lot more people from Boston and Connecticut, and New Hampshire, and Vermont, maybe I haven't listened to any, but and like supporting each other too, which is kind of important. I feel like a lot of people yeah. kind of gatekeep each other. Yeah, and I try to I try to do like my videos in Boston, and like you know having Stiz on the first single for the album was like a deliberate choice. Like I really want that. Like I feel like that is a big part of my identity, and like the stuff I sing about is mostly shit that happens in like the Massachusetts suburbs. It's not. I don't really sing about LA stuff. I don't really care about LA. I don't want having, I don't want to like palm trees in my music videos and stuff. Like I'm not, I don't connect into that shit. So yeah. So it is like, yeah, Massachusetts is like to me the whole thing. So have you checked out uh, Van Buren, Van Buren records? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, awesome. Yes. Yeah, and they just dropped. So that shit is, it seems like everyone's finding out about that. So that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's great to hear. Those guys are legendary. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. I think that that's gonna, yeah, I think it's gonna get way bigger. Very exciting time for the uh, the local music scene out here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited to like spend more time there. Honestly, too, like just working um, and like be able to not just be in LA and actually be able, you know, be able to come back and work with up and coming artists and make an impact that way too. But right now, I'm still like more on my grind and trying to like get to where I'm at, where I have that power. But for sure. Well, we're definitely excited to see all the things that happen. I mean, we're not artists, but you know, we would love to connect with you when you uh, when you come back here. We'd love to have you on the show in person. So yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, Yon, thank you so much again for taking some time out to talk to us. Yeah, we really appreciate it, man. For real. Whole House Podcast. Thank you. Sweet.